Beautiful. Thank you, Scott. From Ecclesiastes, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones, a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search, and a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away. A, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Thank you, Diane. Beautifully read. There we are. Good, so this is the third... Uh, of a little series that I've been doing uh, on treasure, talent, and now time. They're the three things traditionally that, that uh, are attributed to our ability to give. Um, however, I've been concentrating not on their attributes in relation to giving, but in relationship to our experience of them in, in, in our lives, time, talent, and treasure. Our real treasure I said in the first one, being the love of God in our lives, our talent being something that's unique to us in our lives that only we have to contribute to the commonwealth that is this universe. And if you want to catch up on those topics, um, you can find those messages just with the readings um, at the Aspen Chapel podcast on either Apple or Google. So you can go to, to the podcast on Apple or Google, just down, you know, subscribe to the podcast and each week, just the message and the reading will appear in your phone. So it's quite a good way of getting them, and it just lasts the length of the reading or the message. Last week, uh, I read an extract from um, T.S. Lewis's poem, The Wasteland, which I think links together the whole topic of talent, which is last week, and this week's topic of time. It was just a little extract uh, called Death by Water. Phlebas the Phoenician, a fortnight dead, forgot the cry of gulls and the deep sea swell and the profit and loss. A current under sea picked his bones in whispers. As he rose and fell, he passed the stages of his age and youth, entering the whirlpool. Gentile or Jew, O oh, you who turn the wheel and look windward. Consider Phoebus, who was once as handsome and tall as you. You know, time's the one thing that does seem to slip through our fingers more either than treasure 
or talent as we get older. And just reminds you of that, that line from uh, Mary Oliver. You know, tell me, what is it that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? That idea of time speeding up as we get older does seem an incredibly real one, as, you know, one Christmas tends to flow into the next. I mean, it's amazing when I look up, I, you know, we've been now here, I've been here for five years, you know, and it's quite some time, but of course, nothing compared to Greg Anderson's 37 years uh, being here. I'm still the new person. And yet it seems only yesterday that we were getting off the plane, there was a, the, the, half the congregation were there, there was a massive banner saying, welcome to Aspen. So we came off the plane, jet lagged. Um, and yet time seems to have passed so quickly. You know, both our children have gone from being there to being here now, both taller than both of us. It's gone, you know, and incredibly quick. The time we have, each of us, is something to be looked after. It needs, I think, to be cultivated and stewarded just as much as treasure or talent. But how, how can we be good stewards of time? Surely, you know, it goes by whether we steward it or not. And that's true, but time itself is actually the unimportant bit. It just keeps rolling along. And what does change, though, is, and what can change, is our experience of time. Surely, it just goes by whether we steward it or not? No. Our stewarding of time is all around our stewarding of time is all around how we choose to experience it. And in doing that, I think we can actually slow time down. At Christmas, if those of you who were here, I spoke about the way uh, that we can live our lives in our heads. How so often we feel that our lives are like a film that we're observing. We look at the film. And there is a disconnection that you cannot quite put your finger on. Somehow your life seems to be passing you by, the hours, the days, the years. And in that message at Christmas, I said that the way of breaking in that film, that fourth wall, was to bring ourselves out of our heads into the present moment. That's, that's the key to breaking that fourth wall of that, that life seemed to be going on. There are timeless moments that take us out of our heads and into what I refer to as the sacrament of the present moment, sacre mysterium, the holy mystery, the holy mystery of the present moment. And I think it's here that we steward time. You know, so much of time is spent planning for the future or worrying about the past. And I think this is what creates the illusion of time because we run our ideas backwards and forwards in our minds like a film. We live in our heads, and we, as we get older, the panic of the scarcity of time begins to get worse. And I think this is why the reading from Ecclesiastes is so perfect. It creates, it creates a time and a space for everything. And it gives value to what we are doing, whatever that might be. There's a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, 
a time to tear down, a time to build. What that is really asking us to do is to be in the moment while we're doing things. And it goes on to say, he has made everything beautiful in time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. And I think that's the key to our stewardship of time, the eternity that's in the human heart. Our burden, and it talks about, you know, there is a burden in our lives. Our burden, what we have to carry, I think, is worry. Our tendency to live in our heads rather than our hearts. And, you know, we all know that burden. It keeps us awake at nights. It robs us of our joy. It takes us away from those who are dear to us. It puts us out of control. And it makes us blind to what is around us. All that worrying. Jesus says, do not worry about your life. What you eat or drink. Or about your body. Or what you wear. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store in barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Time again in that reference. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity within the human heart. And I think there are tools that we can use to steward that time in our lives. And I think it all links up with that whole idea that we've talked about before about our concern about outcomes. You know, the Tao Te Ching's famous line, do not worry, just do your work, then step back. That's the path to serenity. Do your work, step back. That's the path for uh, serenity, which gives us a blueprint for stewarding time. We have to completely let go of trying to envision the future, as well as let go of considering the ramifications of the past. We we can do nothing about either. We must also, I think, let go of trying to get anywhere. You know, we have ideas and aspirations, and I think that's fine. But then we do our work and we step back because that is the path to serenity. And all of that leaves us in the joy and the lightness of the present moment. And as we live in that, we realize that there is a time to type, a time to stop typing, a time for someone to come into the room and interrupt you, a time to talk and become aware of, you know, that sweetness of intimate contact when you really are with someone, that sweetness of the intimacy when you're actually with someone, a time to realize that, Everything has equal importance. The moment, you know, right now, this moment, has its importance in life. And this moment, each moment has its own unique importance in life. We're speaking, you know, that moment when we're speaking to someone in the reception downstairs and when we're, or when we're eating the egg salad. You know, each moment, it's suggesting, has its unique utter unique importance in our lives. And so we become aware of the equal importance of each of these moments. The idea that there's complete 
equality in the universe. And I think that's, that's true. The, there's an idea that there's complete equality in the universe, and that, I think, applies to time. You know, I've always said there's no one element that's more important than the other. You know, phosphorus is not more important than iron. It's ridiculous to think that so. And, you know, in the same way, you know, no one thing is more important than any other. In evolution, all things are equally important. And, you know, no one person is more important than any other. You know, that Bet Noir general agreement might say that Jesus or Buddha or Donald Trump or Barack Obama are more important than you. But we are all of equal value in the evolution of the universe. We each play a unique and equal part. We are all perfectly so as we are. And in that same way, no moment is more important than any other. They're all made up of eternity, the eternity that's in our hearts, if we could only but see it. You know, a time to search, a time to give up, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to mend, a time to love. To steward time is to invest in every single moment equally with no favoritism. And it's so easy to have favoritisms about you know, what we like and what we don't like. That lovely line from Khalil Gibran. And could you keep your heart in wonder at the daily miracles of your life, your pain would not seem less wondrous than your joy. And you would accept the seasons of your heart, even as you've always accepted the seasons that pass over the field. And you would watch with serenity, serenity through the winters of your grief. We choose our moments carefully, and thereby lies our downfall. All moments are of equal value, and each moment should be, invest in, should be invested in lovingly, with no consideration of a return, no expectation of a return. And in doing that, each moment has its own unique, exquisite intimacy, an intimacy with the eternal life in our hearts. And so an intimacy with the living love of God that's at the center of the universe, the ground of being, the ground of all being. And that intimacy is what we live for. We live for that intimacy. You know, that's what love affairs are about. They're trying to find that intimacy. The Latin intimus, meaning innermost. It's what we seek, and we seek it in things. We seek it in people. We seek it in experiences. But it just is here. It's the intimacy of that present moment. It's always here. We might give ourselves a grip and say, when I'm with that person, then I can experience intimacy. No, it's absolutely here. When we enter into the innermost part of creation, and in doing so, we enter the eternity that arrests time. That eternity that arrests time is that intimacy. And that stewarding of time is a discipline. It's a discipline. We have to discipline ourselves not to worry, not to try and strategize about the future, not to control. We have to discipline ourselves not to dominate, not to expect, not to try and work out. Just to know that now is the time 
for this moment. And it contains something of the eternal in its very existence. And to do that, you have to accept that everything is fundamentally okay. You've got to accept that to realize the intimacy of the present moment. Because you have to realize you don't want to change it. So it's fundamentally, deeply okay. You have to trust that in the end, everything will be okay. And if it's not okay, then it's not the end. You've got to have that central trust. And all that, doing that will bring about the lightness and the joy that is the evidence of enlightenment. It brings about the lightness because you're in the moment, in the intimacy, and the joy that's the evidence of enlightenment. To take everything as it comes and delight in it. Literally, delight to be charmed by life. To delight in life. We let ourselves to become part of the magic that is the unfolding of the evolution of consciousness. We become part of that magic by fully embracing what the universe is bringing us in that moment. We see the magic in it. We see the magic in this moment. We see the supernatural power of the unfolding eternity in creation and we choose to become a part of that. And so we choose to become a part of that magic. And that is what it means to enter eternal life. It's to enter into the intimacy of that present moment, to be subject to the eternal power of the universe as access through the eternity that's been placed in our hearts. That is eternity speaking to eternity. The eternity at the center of the universe speaking to the eternity that's in our hearts. And with that, we begin to master time because it has no effect on us. Each moment is as important as the next. A time to be born, a time to die. And so we're not trying to control life or time, but instead we're letting life and time live through us. We're becoming part of it rather than subject to it. Now, that may all sound a bit complicated, but actually I think it's hugely practical. It means... Staying with what is and not trying to change it to what you want it to be. Staying with what is and not trying to change it to what you want it to be. It means being in your heart rather than your head as you live your life. It means allowing yourself to receive and being willing to give with no expectation of return. It means not worrying about the future or the past. And it means realizing that everything is fundamentally okay, whether or not we think it feels that way. Whatever it feels like, have it be okay. And begin to experience that exquisite intimacy of the presence that is always there for us. And this is the way that we're meant to live. Amen. So let's just, uh, just take a time of prayer where we enter into 
that exquisite intimacy of our hearts. And we just bring and connect with the concerns that we perceive in and around the world. I love the idea that connection is a function of consciousness. Consciousness is a function of connection. And so in prayer, we open ourselves to connecting. We connect with the troubles of the world. We open ourselves to connecting with the effect of the outbreak of the coronavirus all around the world and the worry. We connect with those suffering in war zones and unjust regimes. Those suffering pain given to them by others. Those feeling trapped in relationships. We connect with the pain of those in prison. We connect with our leaders and we connect our hearts with theirs and we ask that that love be at the centre of all that they do. We ask that there be a greater sense of love in the world. I pray for all those in our valley, those who are working on the slopes at the moment, those who are playing on the slopes, in restaurants, on the lifts. Pray for ski patrol. Pray for safety. And we pray for all those who are ill and in hospital, particularly thinking of those in our community that, that we connect with with our hearts. We pray for Rita Hunter, Heather Morrow, Brett McKenzie, David Harrod, Petra Krimmel, Marianne Boltz, Jim Stark, Dorian Holm, John and Susan Wampler, Laurie Ellis, Pat Freeman recovering from back surgery, Pippa Sharon Miners, probably with just a few days to live. For Laurie Ellis, for the family of Bill Dodge, for Kathy Nichols on the loss of her husband, for the friends and family of David Little, for the family of Janice Anderson, Mark Mace's sister, for the friends and family of Greg DeLuke, who died last week, for the family of Grace Rett, the row who died in Florida with a car accident. And pray for Ed Contreras on the death of his wife, Kelly. We just hold these people in our hearts, with them in that intimacy of the present moment. We ask your blessing on them and us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're just going to pass the plate round now. Um, a couple of people are going to come round and give the plate. We do so appreciate uh, what you give. Uh, we don't have a huge fund or a denomination supporting us. It does come from you, and we, we're so grateful. Um, thank you very much. And Scott's going to sing something else for us now.